0: Today's episode is dedicated to my nephew, Max, who's heard all the episodes to the pushback. Love you, little buddy, and I hope that you enjoyed today's episode during your Minecraft session. And now, today's episode. As of 2022, close to 27% of US-born children came from immigrant parents. Parents from all over the world came to attempt to provide a better life for their children. In many cases, those children were immigrants themselves and had to adapt to an entire new life along with their parents. They were attempting to become citizens while they were students, learning laws while they were learning English, being cultured while keeping their own. Along with those hurdles, there was also an immense amount of pressure to be their first in their family to graduate, to be able to throw a metaphorical rope back and blaze a trail for the same family that brought them here. Today, we're joined by four-time Emmy Award-winning producer, anchor, reporter for Telemundo, Angelica Herrera, who now works in producing for Voice of America, the only media outlet that's owned directly by the U.S. government that produces media throughout the world in places where freedom of press doesn't exist. Behind the Emmys and the successes in her career lies a mother a Latina who grew up with shame many other Latino Americans hid, their illegal status here in the U.S. However, her shame was also social. This shame and struggle is something many Latinos dealt and continue to deal with, learning the laws of the land as well as dealing with the social classes and culture of a place that doesn't always express a desire to hone them. And to that, you best believe we push back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the official fifth episode of the Pushback Podcast. I have a very, very special guest today. Um, I went to middle school with her. I went to high school with her. And long and behold, little did I know that I would have gone to school with the four-time Emmy Award-winning producer for Telemundo. And now... A producer for uh, Voice of America, correct? Correct. None other than the illustrious, the fantastic, the the the, the hardworking, the mother, anchor producer. Uh, have you, you did you do anchoring before?
1: I did anchoring and reporting.
0: Anchoring, reporting. <laughs> so so you name it. Uh, she's done it. This is none other than Miss Angelica Herrera.
1: Wow, that was a great introduction. I've never had one of those before. Thank you.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. Angelica, I would love if, if, if you don't mind just kind of telling uh, the people a little bit about yourself. Um, I know that I kind of put some accolade, uh, accolades out there. Um, but again, you know, one of the things that, you know, you are a mom. I t- just, you know, to, 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 to the rest of us that were living under a rock while, while you're out here excelling in your field, why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself?
1: yeah i'm a mom of two beautiful kids i have a daughter who's almost five and a son who's almost nine um i live here in maryland very close to where i grew up um montgomery county
2: yeah
1: yeah, i i'm doing pretty well for myself i am working in uh, the field that i chose the career that i picked and i think i'm i'm doing pretty well um, it's been a long journey and it's, you know, it's been fun to like reconnect with people like we did, you yeah. know, about how, how many years after, like almost 20.
0: Yo, is it really 20? Yeah.
1: Cause we grad. well, I graduated 04. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's
0: almost yeah. 10 years. You're right. You're right. Cause in 2023 and, and when I, I went to, uh, Kennedy I left like after the third quarter. Well, I got—I actually got withdrawn. Um, I actually got kicked out of two high schools, and then I dropped out of the third. So, while while you were out here grinding, I was out here being a knucklehead. Yeah, you know right. I mean, but praise God, our, our our paths crossed, and I'm able to, uh, you know, connect with you like you said, and it's, it's, it's really dope, man. Um, because I think we we was cool. Mm-hmm. You know what i'm saying but I, I i mean i don't i don't think it was like a very very super personal relationship like i had no idea that you even had an interest um, you know getting into media journalism and and, and everything what what made you want to go that route because i know that um typically um i i kind of feel like at least in my experience and my experience is so limited you know like I, I you know people will pursue law or perhaps like medicine and things like that. What what was it about the media that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I don't. You know, I can't tell you that it was like my dream when I was little to like, oh my god, I want to be a reporter on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I knew that I I always liked reading and writing. I was not good at math. You know, not really interested in science, but I I did like writing and reading and. Um, in high school at Kennedy, I got into the school newspaper and my senior year, I was the editor of the paper. So it was cool. You know, we had to, we, we got to print out a newspaper. Like, I think it was once a month. And, um, I ended up going to Montgomery college and I wanted to do, I, I didn't know what I wanted to study. Like, I just went and started taking like the elective courses and yeah. I ended up like in a, in a video production class or a video editing class. And I really loved it. And from there, you know, I got into the TV production program, which they have there. It's really good. Um They have like state of the art equipment. They have like an actual news station that airs on TV, like on local cable. Yeah. So I really liked that. It was like very hands-on, like yeah. you really got to go out there and like grab a camera, go out there and shoot some video like you know do a story and just play around with the equipment um yeah. so i i guess i can say that it kind of found me as opposed mm-hmm. to like me uh like having this dream and saying like okay this is what i want to do i just kind of went with the flow and yeah. here i am
0: yeah yeah that's that that's interesting and I, I always kind of hear that like those two ways i don't really hear much of anything in between but it's either somebody knew from a very early age what they wanted to do and they just honed in put all their focus and energy into that path or like you where it was just a, a bit serendipitous of just like you know hey here's this opportunity you know let me let me let me just roll with it see how mm-hmm. uh you know see how things go was there was there a dream that you had you know prior to even like considering getting into the media that you had prior that you know was kind of like a fantasy or dream of yours?
1: No, I didn't. Mm. And I I think the reason why is because I had like I was struggling in other areas. Mm. So um I guess at that moment when I was in high school trying to figure out like you know, when everybody's trying to figure out like, okay, what college am I going to go yeah. to? Stuff like that. I was dealing with like an immigration issue on yeah. my own. And I guess at that moment, my only dream was like, oh my God, I, I need to be legal because I'm undocumented. Right. And um, you know, I, I told you this before, yeah. like nobody knew about this. Mm-hmm. This was like my secret and something that I kept to myself for many, many years And that was, I guess that was my, my main focus. Like, you know, I need to, it wasn't that I, I couldn't do anything to get this green card. I mean, obviously my parents were the ones with all the paperwork, but, um, it kind of felt like once I have that, then I can start dreaming. Mm -hmm. Like I need to get there before I can start thinking of other things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's why I kind of ended up at Montgomery College. Um, I didn't go right away to like a four-year school. Um, I had the grades. I had, you know, I was like a straight eight student. I was the editor of the newspaper. And it was really hard for me to um, come to terms with the fact that like everyone else is going off to like their dream schools and I'm kind of stuck here because of like a technical
0: issue right and and a very personal one Uh, was there any particular reason why no one really knew about it was this purposeful was it you know accidental
1: no it was purposeful um Mm -hmm. it was something that i got here when i was nine with my mom and my sister and we came with a visa and we overstayed our visa. So at some point, you know, a few months after we came in, we were undocumented. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was something that um, brought me like a lot of shame. Like I felt ashamed. It -hmm. wasn't like, oh my God, I'm gonna keep it a secret because I'm gonna get like deported or like.
2: Right, oh.
1: I think for me at that time, it was about like shame. I didn't want people to know because I didn't want to be made fun of i didn't want people to know that like i was an esau kid at one time at one point in my life Mm -hmm. i didn't Mm -hmm. like it was always like a struggle i guess from when i was like nine moving on forward to high school
2: yeah
1: it was like trying to catch up like Mm -hmm. okay first you get here and you don't know english you don't know the school system so yeah. let me, let me try to like learn English and just kind of get, you know, on the same level as the rest of the kids. Sure, But you don't because your parents don't speak English. Your parents don't know the system. So you're always kind of like falling behind. Yeah. And yeah. I think that can really um, have a big impact on you as an adult.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very interesting that, you know, you said that it wasn't even like the legality Like, or the potential consequences Mm -hmm. of that, that brought shame to you because, and that would have been very rational. Like, no, because then I don't want to get deported if, if, you know, maybe I tell the wrong person and I don't know, for all you know, some, somebody could be the kid of like an immigration officer that just, you know, has some sort of prejudice or something. But it's interesting that it was social. And I think that that's extremely important to touch on a little bit, because like you said, you know, you didn't want kids to know or your, 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 peers to know that you were an Esau kid. And, and I, I remember feeling that way myself. I went to Esau really just, I think it was like kindergarten, first grade. Um, and if I'm going to be honest, I was embarrassed that I was in it and, and at an early age. And I, and I do think that it's, it's very telling of something. It's like, it's, it's telling of something. It's like being ashamed that I have to learn a new language, but I feel like it's, it, at the same time, it feels like a little bit deeper than that because it's like the way I feel like to me, it, it speaks of the way that we view like P- our people
2: mm-hmm. to a degree.
0: You get what I'm saying, like and just the notion of you know, like if I moved, I don't know to like Morocco or something or uh, mm-hmm. something else, I I don't think that I would be ashamed of my lack or or, or of, of knowledge, experience, or of my ignorance. I feel like it'd be totally rational to be like, hey, I don't know things. Let me figure it out. But being an Esau kid, particularly, oh, you know, you're an Esau kid. Oh, that's the Esau hallway, Mm -hmm. which was predominantly Latino. I feel like this was a more specific shame about not necessarily being embarrassed about being a Latino kid, but it was this weird stigma like attached to this sort of brand of Latino kid. Cause it's like, all right, if you're. Because
1: those are, I mean, there was a lot of Latinos at Kennedy at um, E. Brooklyn, which is no longer Ebrook right? I think I, they changed the name.
0: Someone, someone told me that and that, and that like that it's, that it looks totally different now. And- well, I haven't
1: seen it, but I know the name is not eBrokele anymore. But
2: wow,
0: I mean wow. there
1: was a lot of Hispanic kids there. And yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't about being Hispanic. It was about like being different. Yeah. Um for me, like it made me feel like I was less than or dumber or yeah I think it was that. Like and I and I knew I was not dumb. And Mm -hmm. I knew like at one point I'm going to learn English and it's going to be fine. But still, it's like, you have this title on your forehead. Like I'm an Esau kid. Yes. And you know, I just, for some reason, our own people made fun of that.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a form of self hate if we're going to be honest, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and it's, and it's crazy because like, I was, I was, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know, what, if I had to like narrow it down, why I was embarrassed. It's, it's, and, and, and I'm, and I'm ashamed that I thought this, you know, obviously I don't like, we all evolve, we grow, we mature, we understand Mm -hmm. our value. We appreciate our roots and everything. But looking back, I did not want to be looked at as a wetback. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be looked at as, oh, a beaner or these, these sort of slurs Because then it's like, it's one thing like, okay, cool. You're sitting next to a a kid who's like, okay, cool. They're also from Salvador. They're also from, you know, Dominican Republic. They're also from Colombia. Cool, cool. The second they like, oh yeah, you know, I go to Esau. There's, it's like, there's a totally different like perception. Okay. They're a wetback They're And it's so disgusting. If I'm, if we're going to be honest, it's disgusting. And it's so... I feel like it's also a, a, a huge, like insult to like our family, you know, yeah. it's, it's not anything that you would ever, um, like, I remember, like, it, I, I feel like it's, it's it like, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that it happens in schools where I feel like we don't just make fun of each other or people, but we dehumanize people. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I used to, uh, cause after I, when I got kicked out of, uh, out of, uh, Kennedy, I went to Wheaton. And I remember there was this uh, janitor, this custodian. I'm not sure which one would be considered like a per- pejorative connotation or whatever, but I-, I remember I threw some like some trash on the ground and I didn't think nothing of it. And I saw him clean it up later and it was just, it didn't, I was like, okay, whatever. He's just doing his job. And then I remember I went to Wheaton Mall um, and I saw him with his family. I saw him pick up his daughter. And I'll I'll never forget the 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 like just this huge blow to the chest. I'm like, yo, this is somebody's dad. This is somebody's, you know, like provider. Like this I, is
1: not just somebody who's gonna go pick up my trash because yeah. I'm lazy to throw it in the trash.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like we 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 didn't view people in Esau as humans. Like they they're like, oh, they're Esau kids. They're, I didn't view them as oh, these are just kids, students that are taking the same sort of classes, but they're also learning English in the process. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at them as that. It's this weird dehumanization that I think mm-hmm. that people do. And it's honestly something that I'm, I'm embarrassed that I participated in. You know, for you, what were some of the things that you did to try to avoid that sort of title?
1: Well, um, I was lucky that when... Um, I started middle school at uh, Tilden because okay. we used to live somewhere else. And then we moved. So I ended up at um, Ebrook Lee. Yeah. At that moment, in that transition, I got out of ESOL. So when I went to Ebrook Lee, I was no longer an ESOL kid. And I was really <laughs> happy about it. It was kind of like, this weight off my shoulders. I was like, okay, like new life, new me, new school. What, right. like, what are you talking about? I speak perfect English.
2: Right, um, right.
0: Well,
1: cool. Esau, what's Esau, you know? Yeah. But it was stupid because, I mean, I was just in Esau like a month before.
2: <laughs> right, right. Um,
1: and I, I don't think I... I I guess I didn't do anything to like try to avoid those titles. I just didn't share my story with anyone. Mm. I mean, I had friends, I had boyfriends, and nobody knew. Like yeah. literally, nobody knew.
2: Wow! wow. It's just
1: something that you know, and it was all through middle school, all through high school, because I think I got my green card when I was either, I don't know if it was my senior year of high school or no, I think it was already when I was already in college. Mm, Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So like you got this fresh new start Mm -hmm. and so it's like, all right, no one's going to ask about it. So there's really no point in even bringing it up. It wasn't going to be a point of conversation. When you started kind of going into, you know, media and exploring that and, and becoming an editor, you know of the school newspaper and stuff like that um how did your family feel about you embarking this path i know that like especially with latino families there's there's this like especially like if, if you're going to be like one of the first to like graduate or something like that and especially if you're doing something extracurricular and stuff like that there's this sense of pride you know from your family but sometimes they could also come along with a lot of pressure You know, where it's like, man, you know, if I fail, it's not just like me failing, I'm failing them. Like, what sort of like uh, response did you get from your family as you were going down that route?
2: Um,
1: I guess there was like a little bit of pride. It wasn't like a lot because I had been a good student throughout. So Mm -hmm. I had gotten like little awards and, you know, the honor roll. So it wasn't like unexpected, I guess. But you know what I was thinking what, that like that whole experience, what it did bring me was like kind of like resentment towards my
2: parents. Really?
1: Yeah, because I here I was an Esau kid, undocumented. I was the editor of the school newspaper and like my parents couldn't even read my stories because they didn't speak English.
2: Oh, wow. Like I couldn't
1: say like, oh, here, mom and dad, like, this is the newspaper that I produce. And, th- you know, there's no real feedback. It's como que, like, oh, good job, miha, Like, great job. So proud of you. But are you really proud of me because of the what, like what I did in essence?
2: Mm-hmm. Or are
1: you just proud because this like title? Like, oh, you're the newspaper editor. Like, I guess, um. I kind of felt like I couldn't share much of that with them. Wow. It was like, okay, yeah, hey, mom and dad, I'm doing this. Oh, good for you. You know, like, great. But I couldn't have those conversations that I guess, like, an American kid could have with their parents. Like, hey, mom and dad, look, I produced this newspaper. You want to read it and tell me, like, what you think? What do you think about my style of writing? So I kind of, like... um. Like this sense of resentment like kind of took over for a while. Um, And then it was like, you know, my parents couldn't guide me on the whole like going to college process because they didn't know. Um, So I kind of felt like for a while I was just on my own trying to figure everything out, trying to figure out like the student loan situation because, you know, they they never planned for like paying for college for me. Right, right. So it was like applying and trying to figure out all this stuff that I guess like an American teenager would like be doing along with their parents. Yeah. So like that, yeah, that created like a lot of resentment. And now, like as an adult, I look back and it it explains a lot of things, like a lot of my behaviors Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that we have kids, it's something to definitely think about for the future.
0: Absolutely. And 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 it's interesting that, you know, because I, I man, that, that's so true. You know, I think especially like, you know, us growing up here, and then you see all these TV shows of like, you know, a kid in basketball or science or whatever, and their parents, you know, coming and, and, and having more of a an understanding support. And I kind of mm-hmm. feel like, their like their version of supporting us seemed like this generic pat on the back that was actually limited
2: Mm -hmm. based
0: on their understanding and stuff like that and and do you feel like that sort of resentment would you say that it was a resentment directly at them or was it more of a man you know how come these people get to have that I don't get to have that and then you projecting it on your parents
1: yeah it was probably that okay always like comparing yourself to other people
2: yeah,
1: and you know how come i have to go through all of this and they have it so easy like how come their parents like save for college and i'm here like trying to get loans or grants or whatever like i don't even know what i'm doing um so yeah it, it was just like an overall feeling of resentment um
2: yeah
1: and then you you also asked me about like the pressure that that puts on you because it's kind of like they um they make you responsible for you know i we came here like we sacrificed all right. of this for you so right. now you have to pay me back right, right. They don't, you know they don't mean harm it's of course you know they just they really honestly want you to have a better life Absolutely. But it is like, it's such a big responsibility to carry on your shoulders. It's like, well, my parents, they honestly, like, they never told me like, you have to go to college and you have to graduate. But it was just something that was like in the back of my head the whole time. Yeah. Because you're, you know, your parents did this for you. So, you know, you have to, um, you have to show up, and you have to you have to yeah. show them, and you have to make them proud, and yeah. you have to, you know you kind of have to, um, I guess, go after the American dream that right. they had,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but their dream like you're responsible for fulfilling that dream.
0: Correct, correct. Like you have to make sure that their sacrifice wasn't in vain. so to speak. So it's, I feel like it's, it's, um, I feel like you feel it early where it's like your failure is that much more magnified if you fail, you know what I'm saying? And, but all, and like your success means that much more. So I imagine like what, what that does, you know, to, to, you know, to like second generation Latinos or, first immigration immigrants that, you know, come here at the same time, like you did with your, with your parents uh, when Mm -hmm. you were nine years old. And I think it's, 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 it's really fascinating too, because I, I think, I feel as though like you have these very huge weights of, you know, having to be successful, having to like, you know, pay your parents back, so to speak, not, not in a, you know, indebted way, but it's like, yo, I I have to, you know, Mm -hmm. whether, whether they verbalize it or not, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. But, and then, and then, you know, having to learn English, having to adapt to the culture around you. And all the while, like still just trying to be a kid, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, um, for you, when, when you started, you know, uh, you know, you said that you were going to Tilden prior to Ebrook Lee and everything. Um, you, you, when you came here, you were in elementary school.
1: Yeah, I was in fifth grade.
0: Okay, you were in fifth grade. Did you ever kind of like, I don't know how much you remember because you're from Colombia, correct?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So shout out everybody from Colombia. Shout out all the Colombians. Like for you, like do you remember how it was? Like what what some of the biggest differences were? Like you being a kid in Colombia versus you being a kid here.
1: I mean, it was like two different planets. Mm. Um, You Mm. know, I was a very social kid in Colombia. Um, I I was going to a private school and had lots of friends, would go to my friends' houses every day after school, um, you know, sports, dance teams. And school is very different over there. They, they ask a lot more from you. It's mm. a, a lot more strict um, in a good way. Like mm. they really make you, like push you, you know, um, and then coming here was honestly like I had taken like a thousand steps backwards. Mm. It was like you are, I mean, emotionally, mm. like nobody talks about emotional like toll this has on you. Yeah. Not even your parents at that time, because they're just trying to figure out, oh, my God, like, I got to work. I got to figure out how, like, I'm going to rent an apartment or where we're going to live. So, yeah, it was it was insane. Um, I was lucky enough that when I got to school here, well, I got when I when we got here, I was in fifth grade. But then I had to, like, redo, like, fifth grade again so I could, like, be at the same age group. Oh, okay. Well, I had to do like half of fifth grade and then fifth grade again. I see. My teacher, my first teacher here was Salvadorian, which was not common because where we lived in Kensington, there was not a lot of Hispanics. Yeah. Um, Miss Sandoval, I still remember her name. And I still remember (laughs) this little Mexican girl that was in my class. That was the only other Hispanic person. Wow. I think. And Miss Sandoval would ask her sometimes, like, oh, can you help her out with this? And she just didn't want to. It was like, oh, like, oh, I don't no. want to do it." And so do you know how much trauma that can cause for a kid?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Um, just like you, you kind of feel like you're. Like you're. Um,
0: such a burden.
1: Yeah, like you're a burden to someone else. Like, why do I have to help her? Like, Dang. like why does the teacher have to come and explain something to me all over again in Spanish when she just explained it to the class in English? And that's like an, an, another additional layer of responsibility on your shoulders. So, you know, as the years go by, you've just like piled up all these different layers of responsibilities. And it's a lot for a kid. It's a
2: lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine, honestly. Well, I hope, I hope wherever she is, hope, hope she's doing good, and she could gets a good, good view of them for for them Emmys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> which, which, yeah. which, which uh, I did want to segue into. I, I, saw, you know, um, the like each Emmy. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you did take place like in anchoring, in reporting, in producing. Uh, mm-hmm. and I saw it, it look, If I'm not mistaken, all four Emmys are from producing. Correct. For producing, yeah. What when you first like got into? Well, first of all, let me actually back up. All right, you 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 do stuff in Montgomery College. Do you do you go to another college from uh from Montgomery College to to pursue? Yeah, that?
1: I I did. But uh, when I was in Montgomery College, I got an internship at Telemundo. So they How did that me. happen? I just applied. I just I went there. The station was in Arlington. Yeah. And I just I called. I was like, hey, I'm like in the TV production program I'm at Montgomery College. I like to know if you guys are offering internships. And yeah. the guy's like, yeah, come over. Wow. So I, I went and they took me in as an intern. Um, yeah, Spanish speaking stations are very small. So once mm-hmm. you get in there, even though you're an intern, you got to work. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's great. I mean, it's, it's great if you want to learn and if you, if you want to get like your feet wet, For so sure. they, I graduated from Montgomery college and they hired me as yeah. an assistant producer. So I started like going to school. I I started going to Maryland.
2: Okay.
1: like to finish my degree. So it was like work in the morning, get out of work at six in Arlington and drive all the way to college park for like a eight o'clock class. And it was just a very hectic schedule. Yeah, and then from there, I just, I moved around a lot within the company. I was in marketing, promotions, Um, I was like producing um, commercials for different restaurants and stuff, dealers. Then I went back to news as a reporter. Then I started producing. And then, yeah, that's kind of like, like I said in the beginning, I just kind of let like go
0: with the flow. For sure. For sure. So when when you were in, there wasn't like a particular position that you were jockeying for. You were kind of just... Like you said, getting your feet wet and then mm-hmm. allowing the the course to to to, to navigate you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, it like the reporting part. I must say that it was really hard for me because I'm like a very insecure person, mm-hmm. and I like I have a hard time like like I'm very judgmental with myself, and I had mm-hmm. a hard time looking at myself on TV. I had a hard time like listening to my voice over i'm just very insecure which i think all of this comes from my experience as a Mm -hmm. kid you know where you feel less than yeah and like you know no matter what you do and no matter how much people praise you it's hard to accept those um those compliments
0: for me that's so real that's very real and i remember too yo um when you when you uh got to middle school like yo those those a bunch of little brodies that was like yo that that girl angelica man yo yo she looks so good she looks so good and then come kennedy you know you're getting you're getting attention itself but i think it's very very important like what you just said because i i think that typically you know like people think that if someone might be hypercritical about themselves, especially like if it's external things that one would think that stuff like praise is what gives you affirmation, is what gives you, you know, this sort of like validation, but it's the opposite or, or rather it just does nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for you, what, like, was there a time that you started to kind of feel like, you know, a little bit more confident, a little bit more, uh, self-assured, like, or, like, and and I mean, you could be as transparent as you want, or as, as you don't want, is it something that you still kind of see yourself being, you know, a little bit critical or hypercritical about yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I, I still struggle with that. I definitely am working on it, like, because I'm conscious about it. I think that's the first step. Once you realize, but- why am I like, why is it so hard for me to be assertive? Hmm. Like I have all this experience in the field. I have no reason like to doubt myself. And here I am like, oh my God, like, am I gonna sound dumb if I say this? Am I pronouncing this right? All these questions. It's definitely something that I'm working on. Like, you know, I've, I've gone to therapy, just doing a lot of like soul searching and stuff like that. But let me tell you this really cool story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was reporting at Telemundo, um, this was around the time I'm, um, I want to say this is around like 2008. Okay. This is around the time when the whole dream act thing started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember one of like the first events that I had to cover relating to the dreamers. This was a new term, like the dreamer, yes. the dream act. Yeah. So I remember four, like four kids or four teenagers from Florida, they were like the ones who had started this movement okay. and, um, they were walking from Florida to DC as a protest, um, as a way to, you know, create awareness. And so they were walking, you know, up the um, East coast, stopping at different states getting support from people, getting the word out. So they got here to Arlington. They were going to spend the night in Arlington and then go to like the Congress the next day. Um, and I went to cover the event as a reporter. Yeah. Well, so here I am like interviewing. I-, I already have my papers and stuff like my, my legal situations resolved. Sure. But I'm um, here. I am interviewing these people that are basically like in the same boat that I was just a few years before. Yeah. And what they're not ashamed. They're not mm. it. their voice. They're like yelling it. They're like, I'm undocumented and I want everybody to know I'm the, I'm undocumented. And like, we need help because we are, we're not here by choice. We were brought here by our parents and we're just trying to have like an equal opportunity. Yeah, so we, I guess they started with like the tuition, the in-state tuition. That was like one of the first things they were fighting for. Which I didn't have because I, I, when I applied for college, I had to pay like out of state tuition because I was undocumented. So it was like, a, like a, a life changing moment for me
2: hmm.
1: because I felt like, you know what? You know why I felt like they were, they were so confident because they were together because right. they share their story with other people. And then the other person was like, you know what? I'm on the same boat as you. And then, you know what? There's like thousands and thousands of people in the country that are right there. You know, they were brought here when they were kids. They had no choice, like kind of like me. Yeah, And now they're like fighting for their rights. And I was like, wow, you know, if only I could have thought of that or (laughs) if I could have told someone. Yeah. So it it was a good moment for me. And I think um, it kind of changed that mentality of shame that I had relating to like being an immigrant and being undocumented, it kind of yeah. started turning all that into like a, like pride, like, you know what? Yeah, here we are, but this is what we've accomplished. So it was a good, it was a good moment for me to like change that mindset a little bit.
0: I love that. I love that so much because I'm, I'm a big believer that the cure to shame is vulnerability, and that vulnerability turns what you're ashamed of into a superpower, you know, and mm-hmm. and and I can't even imagine how many students we probably didn't know were also going through your through your journey of, of citizenship and probably were also hiding it, concealing mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, and and, and it's just crazy because Man, and, and, you know, for those that don't know about the DREAM Act or or, or aren't familiar with it, and correct me if I'm, you know, wrong, this was a, a, you know, a policy under uh, Barack Obama, I think it was his first term, Mm -hmm. um, to where he allowed uh, people, what was it, I think, uh, you might have to help me here.
1: It was the, um, like, students. were undocumented who had been brought here by their parents and i think it i think at first it allowed for like in-state tuition and for them to have like um a social security number so that they could work there we go um it didn't solve their legal problems yeah but it it did make it a little easier for them Yeah. Just live a more normal life because up until then, a lot of them couldn't even get like driver's licenses. Mm. They couldn't get into colleges. It was like they had this label on them and really, you know, it's really unfair because yeah, they, they didn't choose this. This was not their dream. This is their parents' dream. And then here they are like struggling because they, a lot of them and I guess a lot of us, you know, we don't, at at a certain point you're like, well, I'm not really like from there anymore because I've spent most of my life here. So, and then I'm not from here because I'm undocumented. So you're kind of like in this limbo. So just giving them that little bit of like, um, hope, I guess it brought them a lot of hope because it was like, you know, if we got this, maybe we can eventually get a green card. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was just a good, like, starting point for all, all of them. It was a lot That's of them. Crazy. It was a big, huge movement. I remember, like, covering those protests um, at Congress. It was just like a sea of people. And it was really beautiful.
0: No, that that, that is. And, um, you know, it's crazy because I remember, I don't know if it was related to the DREAM Act, because my long-term memory specifically when it comes to dates is trash but i remember um in dc there was like you know seas of latinos like all throughout and all of us we were chanting si se puede Mm -hmm. and and it was just this this thing where even if like you was born here or even if for whatever reason your parents like if you were latino you were there Mm -hmm. and it was just this like yo like this beautiful sense of like empowerment and identity you know, mm-hmm. like we're here, and even the chance, C. whether like yes, we can. You know, like is is just this affirmation that you know, re- like even though we may not necessarily all be documented, we can achieve things. You know, mm-hmm. especially when we come together, and we're more powerful together than we are by ourselves, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And 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 I really, really love how you mentioned that seeing their pride. The way that it influenced your perspective and even made you look retro, actively like man, you know, to think that I was, you know, something that I was ashamed of. They're they're shouting it on the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's it was so amazing.
1: It was like a turning point in my life. I felt like, um, and I covered many of those stories, and then it was like. I wanted to cover them and I wanted to be their voice and I wanted to be there where they were protesting. And I wanted to know why, like, what are you going through? Like, because that's what, you know that's what my career is about journalism, telling stories. Um, that's one of the things that I really loved about working like in local news mm. because I got to meet so many people and hear so many stories. And, you know, it just makes you realize that while we're all so different like all right. of our immigration stories are very different yeah. and we all come from very different backgrounds. You know, like you said, you know, once we like, the, the more of us that get together for like a common cause, like it, it really it really makes a difference. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh here, they're gonna grant citizenship to everyone. But at least yeah. that change of like um, in, in the mindset of people, That maybe the people that you were making fun of because they were an Esau, maybe you were standing next to them at the protest, chanting with them, and then you were one with them, Yeah, you know, and it was no longer like, oh, I'm, you know, I was born here and you were, you're a wetback or you don't speak English and I do. It was like, you know, we're all in this together.
0: I love that. I love that. And it's so true. It, it, it unified everybody. I feel like mm-hmm. during that time, like even if we were not, you know, a dreamer, we were absolutely related to one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and and it, and it united that sort. And like you said, and I do think that like there, there is a common misconception that the dream act like automatically gave out citizenships and all of a sudden, and I, and I feel like there's a lot there, there has been, and even like, uh, you know, like afterwards, like there's been like attempts to like remove the Dream Act.
2: Mm -hmm. uh, I mean,
1: they still still don't have anything concrete. It's still like they have to keep renewing and renewing and like, you know, they don't get a green card. They don't get citizenship. But, you know, at that time, it was a big accomplishment because it came from, like you said, a very vulnerable place. And it came from, you know, turning that struggle into something that could make you feel pride, and something that I think it was about like what I felt from them. It was about um, making people understand, Hmm. like because it wasn't, oh, you're like the son or daughter of an immigrant, like, but what are you? You're a person, like. And once you talk to them, you realize, oh, you know what? I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an architect. Yeah. I like, and a lot of them are lawyers and architects.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. They speak perfect English and, yeah. you know, they have hopes and dreams just like anyone else. And, yeah. you know, just learning and hearing their stories and learning what they're about really changed people's perspectives. And it like you said, it it, it changed that um, shame into into pride yeah for a lot of us me included
0: absolutely, absolutely. I love something that you that you mentioned um, earlier that you know especially with a lot of dreamers and even just overall you know people that came here at an early age or that you end up later on feeling like you've you've been here longer
2: mm-hmm. than your
0: native land. And it's this weird sort of like identity crisis where it's like, all right, I've been here longer, but I'm technically not, you know, legal here or like, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I belong or something. And, and it's weird, man. This, this might be kind of a random comparison, but you know, that famous movie, uh, Selena, you mm-hmm. know, where, where she was just caught where like Jennifer Lopez was, you know, portraying Selena. And one of the things like she was saying how like, I think her dad was telling her was like, you know, you have like yo you got to you got to be both. You mm-hmm. know, you have to like like both represent for Latinos and you have to impress the Americans.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: you get what I'm saying? And and I feel like there's a bit of an echo in that with us where it's like, you know, you you also and and I feel like I I didn't realize how many um divisive internal issues are within the Latino community. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like the Yunosabo kids. You know what I'm saying? Like the third generation immigrants. And for those that aren't familiar with that term, it's it's the Latinos that don't know uh Spanish that well. Mm-hmm. You know? Because then it's like you're not Latino enough or you're a fake Latino. Mm-hmm. And then if you're you know, you was here longer than your native land, it's so there's a lot of gatekeeping that I that I've you know perceived happens within the Latino community where it's like Okay, if you are, yeah, yeah, you're from, you know, Guatemala, you're from Honduras. Oh, but you don't eat this, but you didn't do this, but you didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So you're not a real one. You're, you're a gringo. And it's so funny how like this slur of a wetback and stuff like that is now also used like on the other side of the spectrum to where it's like, well, you know what, you're not Latino, you know, white or anything like that. Did you ever struggle like on the other side? I know like you, 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 you privatized your, your journey uh, for, for, you know, citizenship. Did you ever experience it on the opposite side to where your, your Latino-ness was like in question?
1: No. And I, I think it was because I stayed connected to the Latino community because like my first job was at Telemundo and I still, until this day, I work in Spanish media. So all my coworkers are Latino. Um, and I don't know why that happened. I don't know if like, it made me feel comfortable. I don't know. It's something that I'm definitely gonna have to do some digging. <laughs> but I, I somehow always ended up working with Latinos. Yeah. Um, And that has always kept me like in touch with my roots. That's good. I mean, I, I go back home like twice a year and I take my kids. And, you know, I don't expect them to say like, oh, I'm Colombian. But I do notice that like when Colombia plays soccer, like my son will go grab his jersey and put it on. And my daughter, too. And like he knows all the names of the Colombian soccer players. And I I haven't told him to do that. It's just Mm -hmm. something that has come naturally to him. And that's how I intend to keep it. Like, I guess um, something to take away from all of this is, you know, that sense of, um, being responsible for your parents' dreams. It's good. Like, I know at this point w- we have kids and I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but there's not going to be any of that in my household.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. So,
1: I haven't even, I can't even tell you that I have sacrificed anything for my kids to go tell them like, you know what? I did this and this for you. So like, that's a narrative that like you're not going to hear in my house. It's good. But, and I'm not necessarily saying that it was a bad thing because good things have come out of it. Yeah. But I think it's more for me at this point, it's more about like taking care of their emotional needs. And I know that it was a lot for me to carry at one point in my life. And I wouldn't want to do that to them. Like, you know, if you want to go to college, go to college. If you I don't know, wanna open a coffee shop. Go for it. Yeah. As long as you're happy and you know, at the end whatever you do that makes you happy and m- brings you peace, like I'll be proud.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes and that makes sense because I I do feel um and you know, I-, I I used to say this a lot and I still believe it that I think a lot of our parents who came here You know, and got into entrepreneurship, where and and I feel like it was out of survival mode. It wasn't Mm -hmm. even because it was so appealing, and you know, oh yeah, you got to be your own boss. You got to, you know, it it wasn't this hustle culture. It Mm -hmm. was like, I can't work anywhere, Mm -hmm. and I, I even if there's not anything I'm particular, it wasn't like oh I have to find my passion. Mm -mm. It was I need to I need to feed my kids. Yeah, I need need to provide. I
1: I need to provide
0: absolutely and i feel like with us you know there's kind of like this and and this is obviously you know, I thank god because i feel like it our parents kind of paved that path so that we can kind of take a bit of a sigh of relief and go okay what do i want to do
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know i feel like it's it's, it's freedom the, the, like the freedom to be able to ask yourself what do i want to do you know yep. and 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 i feel like you know passing that down to our children um, I love that you bring that up because we, we're more familiar with how things go in this country. Because um, you know, like I feel like at least for me, growing up, it was like you have to, you have to go to school, you have to go to college, and you have to get a good job, um, you have to do this, you have to do that, because that—that's what they understood.
1: It's the hustle mentality. It's like go, go, go. Like if you if you pause, you're gonna fall back. Like
2: right just right. keep
1: going, keep going until you achieve this thing that
2: yeah.
1: they, they saw like this diploma as like, okay, you made it.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Or like, oh, you got a job. Okay. You made it.
2: Right. Well, right.
1: yeah, that's what we, that's what we grew up seeing basically.
0: Yeah. And hearing. And, and I think it was a bit of a, um, you know, translating like what happened in some of our native lands to here, because, you know, like, at least for us, like, on my side, like people, people don't retire. You work until you're physically unable to do so.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That is not a plan of mine at all. Like, <laughs> right. Not yep, my so plan either. I, I, no, absolutely not. And, and you know, like, because I feel like we're privy to that and, and knowing that you don't necessarily have to go to college to be successful, uh, you know, that if there are certain trades that don't require... You know, college degrees. Like, I feel like we're we're more privy to other options and other mm-hmm. routes versus. I think that with our parents, maybe that was the only route that, that they were either exposed to, or mm-hmm. that they believed in. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I and and I love that, and and I I really really love that you're able to kind of uh, keep your kids cultured,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: in a way that's not like overly like, hey, remember. You're Colombians.
2: Mm-hmm. It's almost
0: like it's, it's normal. It's just part of it. So it's not. Yeah,
1: it's not. You're not imposing it on them. You're yeah. just letting them like explore their like at their own pace. Um, like we're going to Colombia soon and they're just so excited about it. Um, hopefully it stays that way. Like I've heard stories about like taking your kids there when they're little and they're excited. And then when they're teenagers, they're like, oh, like <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah. But we'll see. You know, for now I'm enjoying that they enjoy going there and learning and exploring. So, right. hopefully it stays that way, but it's definitely not something that like I plan on like imposing on them or forcing for sure. them
0: to. For sure, for sure. I did want to ask you something. You we spoke about this a little bit prior to us recording, and you know, I told you I wanted to brag about you. I told you that mm-hmm. I wanted to brag about you and you know, whether it's like your success, uh, your accolades, the milestones, you know, I, I don't know any body in my life or that I ever grew up around that one for Emmys, let alone one, you know, and <laughs> even like when I go well, like when you I, I think you, you found me on Instagram mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, shoot, Angelica, like that's crazy. And then I, I didn't see anything that. Would even indicate that you won four Emmys, and it wasn't until I think later on, I think you shared something. It was it was pretty subtle. It was just showing that it was it was something that looked like to the uh, to the effect of. Uh, I remember I thought to myself, like, "Yo, is she in the news?"
1: Oh yeah, like I was in the in the studio.
0: Yeah, so then I messaged him like, "Yo, are you in the news?" And then I didn't find out until like we started really catching up
2: mm-hmm.
0: that you won four Emmys. Where versus if it was me. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm telling telling everybody, I'm telling every single person I pass by like, hey, look, I want four, I want four, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? If anybody's rude to me, like, excuse me, you're speaking to a four-time Emmy Award winner, like, yo, like, you're going to have to start over. You know what I mean? And, and, and and it's, I, I I respect that modesty. I respect that humility. And I'm not going to say that I'm not humble. I'm not going to say that I'm not. But, I'm very curious, you mm-hmm. know, It's and, and I'm not even trying to say like there's something wrong with it or whatever, but mm-hmm. I got to ask like, why isn't that something that you're, you necessarily advertise?
1: I advertise it when I have to, like if I'm applying for a job, oh,
0: that's right. That's right. That's on the resume. A
1: job interview. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like, I won my first one alone, and then I won the three, the other three the following year. So when I got that first one, um I was telling you about how, you know, it's like a ceremony and you have to go up and accept your award and give a little speech. And um, I dedicated that award to my parents. And I think I said something like, you know, This one is dedicated to my parents who basically like sacrificed their whole lives. What all they knew to come here and for me and my sister to, you know, be able to have a good education and make it. So this is for you. (laughs) And I think that kind of closed that circle for me. I think that kind of took off that weight off my shoulders, like that responsibility. It was like, okay, here, guys, I made it. Um, I was lucky enough to like do it, win those awards, doing something that I love. Yeah. So like I've enjoyed the journey, but you know, they're right there. See, I don't That's hide true. them, they're yeah. there. But um, you know, for me, they're not, of course they're an achievement, but they're like a reminder that I have to keep going that i'm going on the right path that i chose the right career but it i see them more like stepping stones that's good i'm happy they're there i do feel proud but i'm just i think there's still a part of me that has a lot of like that childhood trauma of like you're not quite there yet so you still you're still trying to catch up to other people mm. um And maybe that's where that comes from. But um, it's something that I'm working on actively.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And maybe one day, you know, I'll just be more open about it. But yeah, it's it's not something that like I share when I meet people or (laughs) it's not something that I like, you know, I don't take pictures of them every day and post them on my social media. Yeah, I guess a lot of people don't know.
0: Yeah, and I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. I, 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 if you did, I wouldn't even be mad at that because you <laughs> earned them. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. like you, 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 you worked really hard for them. And, but I, I, I love that. I love that. I love that for several reasons. One of the, one of the first reasons that comes to mind is, um, I mean, I, I don't imagine you like watched basketball growing up, but, um, the late Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, um. You know, they were, they were doing really well in the playoffs and everybody was so happy. Everybody was celebrating, cheering. And then this dude had the straightest face, you know, at the press conference. And they said, yo, like Kobe, like, what's up with you, man? Why aren't you happy? You guys Mm -hmm. just won, you know? And then he just said with the straightest face, he said, job's not done. Mm -hmm. The job's not done, you know? And, and I, I've, that, that mentality is something that I love so much because and and here's the thing, like I I might contradict myself here, but I fully support celebrating your little wins, like on your way. Mm-hmm. But I at the same time I also feel like you know what? Nah, I'm not gonna say nothing until I do it,
2: mm-hmm. until
0: like I, I'm 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 accomplished with whatever set goal or whatever. But I, I really do love that, and I love that it's something that for you. You were able to get that metaphorical monkey off your back, like I here. You know, y'all can't, y'all, y'all can't ever (laughs) come, come for me no more. You know what I mean? And at the same time, it's, it's like this, this thing of, um, of, like a reminder of like this is, this is, this is what happens like when I work hard and when Mm -hmm. I put myself into it, and it's not your ceiling. There's more.
1: It's not my ceiling and it it can go, you know, up or it can go sideways or I can totally change career paths. Who knows? But there's definitely like a lot more out there for me. I I don't know which way it's going to go, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so far. This whole like, let me just see where this goes, has not failed you. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, f- far be it for me to be like, no, Angelica, you got to make a plan. So far be it me for me to ever say that because clearly, whatever you're doing
2: mm-hmm. is
0: is working and everything. But now, nah, man, I, I I really really love that, and and you know, I'm I'm proud of you. I'm inspired by you. Um, I I think it's very dope that you can have these battles, and even like the way that you spoke about. You know the shame that you used to have, that has slowly turned into a sense of pride about who you are and your journey and everything. Um, I love that, and I and I really do pray that it blesses a lot of people out here. That you know maybe they're in earlier paths. You know I, I do mm-hmm. kind of feel like there are certain points of contention within the latino community there are points of like division but i still feel like we're very connected
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: um like for for instance like i'm i'm in the financial industry and like anytime i have a latino customer uh like i'm in banking and like there's this it's funny because it's like they'll, they'll come in and i could like you know they're like a deer in headlights they have no idea like what to do but they know why they're there they 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 just they just came here maybe about a couple months ago. They want to open. And the second we lock eyes, it's this, you know, yeah. and, then, and then when I greet them, you know, like, cause sometimes it's a little tricky cause I'm, cause there's some that might get offended if I, if I speak <laughs> Spanish first. Right. So sometimes I don't know how to approach them, but then like, <laughs> but the but, gonna test the waters a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, like, like I'll go like smile, wait for them to say something <laughs> first, but more times than not i want to say probably about 85% of the time like if i say oh la como esta automatic oh say sí, say sí, say sí, say sí. and then like it's like this instant trust mm-hmm. they start telling me all their personal things sometimes they overshare i'm like oh i don't know if you want to tell i, I should not know this <laughs> you know but but it goes to show like that connection that 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 sort of that that trust that's like no you're one of me
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I can t- I am comfortable telling you this because we're the same,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I, it's something that I I I love, I really really do because I feel, especially like you know being a a son of an immigrant, you know if it's a if it's a if it's a woman if it's a man like, automatically I'm I feel like I'm talking to like it could be my dad, it could yeah. be my mom, sort of thing, and 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 it's just so dope, man, and and. I don't know. I, I I love seeing Latino role models. I love, and I consider you one, you know, and I, and I, and I, really? I hope, yeah. And, and I really hope, and I know as modest as you are, I'm absolutely advertising and marketing the mess out of this one so that everybody knows about you. <laughs> and I'm hoping that
2: I'm gonna
1: have all these
0: followers now. Like, oh my god, where's all these people coming from? I mean, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I'm not big time yet, so it might not be as many followers.
2: Okay.
0: (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not you know, I mean I'm not I ain't no scrub either, so you might get a couple here and there. But I I I hope that if I have any like younger My bad. I think there's like some crazy ladies screaming outside. But yeah, I feel like if, if, if there's any like younger followers or subscribers, I hope that they hear what you hear and can feel maybe if they are are an Esau or maybe anything like that, that they can take a look at themselves with pride. And I, I also do want to speak to um, to those that might also feel like, you know, I'm not Latino enough or my Spanish isn't good enough because that was something that I kind of struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, When I was in middle school, my Spanish was atrocious. Um, TV ruined me. If I'm gonna be honest, I learned Spanish first, and then like I got my favorite show growing up was like Batman with Adam West, so like it just ruined me, you know. So then like I like I've had so many like I've worked in sales like my whole life, and I feel like because so many of my clients were like Latino, it forced me to practice, right. You know so then like to the point where like it's kind of funny because i i also do kind of sense like sometimes like older latinos will will be like oh pero usted lo habla bien," like mm-hmm. oh was i not supposed to
2: Like <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry yeah yeah, you know, like and and, and I, I don't know i just want to encourage like like to any latino or any immigrant for that matter because i know that that you know we're clearly not the only immigrants mm-hmm. here even though you know we're we're out here um Especially Salvadorians, which I still don't understand how the smallest country in Central America could produce so many people <laughs> here in the U.S. Like it's crazy, but yeah, man, to just like accept, to love yourselves, um, you're you're part of this community, mm-hmm. um, and you know you're loved, you have value, you have worth, and you have something to contribute back to the community. So don't let nobody gatekeep you. Can't nobody tell you where you belong and where you where you don't. You know, keep doing you. Be like Angelica when you grow up, you know, <laughs> just put, put in that work, you won't get you an Emmy or two, you know what I'm saying? Maybe even three, maybe even four, who knows?
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: no, nah, man, I, I I really appreciate you uh, making the time and, um, you know, just contributing, um, you know, to this little old podcast of mine.
1: It was a pleasure and an honor. So Thank I was you. number five, right? That's a. I
0: that?
1: I was number five. You're the fifth episode.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Number.
0: <laughs> I, I, I do too. My, my, my plan is to have um, season one be 10 episodes. So I feel like this is a perfect halfway perfect. Uh, point or whatever, man. But thank you so much, Angelica. Uh, stay on. We're going to stop recording shortly. I just want to you know, uh, talk to you for a little bit. But now, thank you so much. And for those of you that have made it this far, first and foremost, thank you. Uh, you're amazing. Uh, second, please, uh, you know, don't forget to follow, subscribe, uh, share if this has blessed you in any way, shape or form. By all means, uh, let somebody know uh, it don't cost you no paper. And if you don't, then you just know, hate you know what I mean, and also, uh, you know, it would mean a lot if you leave a review. If, of course, you know, you liked it or whatever. I'm, I, I'm not for empty advertisement. If you ain't like it, please. You know what I'm saying? Like you good. You good over there. <laughs> But, yeah, thank you, Angelica. Uh, Grace and peace. Anything you want to say to the people before we dance?
1: That was a beautiful closing (laughs) message.
0: (laughs) For sure, for sure, for sure. And to everybody and to the rest of the world that doesn't have any Emmys, I will see y'all for episode six. (laughs) Peace.